This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. You're back. And we are here for your Sunday edition, the weekly recap. It is Sunday, May 21st. And Brendan, unfortunately, the Cubs have dropped another series. The vibes are not good. Uh, welcome. If you are listening live on YouTube, hop in the chat. Let us know what you are thinking. If you are listening later uh, on your podcast feeds, welcome. Uh, as always, if you'd like to go to the CHGO Sports YouTube and see uh, Brendan and I's beautiful, you know, just uplifted us. faces. Look at us. Right? Yeah. You can do so. Look at these uh, but Brendan, you know, we have a lot to talk about in this episode. We will talk about Christopher Morell, who is on a record-setting pace. We will talk about Jamison Tyone, who has not been good all season. We will talk about the potential impending return of one Kyle Hendricks. We will talk about the offense. We will talk about the bullpen. We will talk about Cody Bellinger in his absence, though he should be back hopefully relatively soon. Busy episode. We'll talk about it all. Yes, we have a lot to talk about, mm -hmm. but generally, right? That was a two and seven road trip uh, that started with the series, of course, in Minnesota, the Cubs losing two of three there, despite winning the opener in that series, they get swept in Houston. And then they uh, lose two of three here to the Phillies again, after winning the opener on Friday and more of the same. Brendan, the, the conversations on social media seem to be basically the same. The way that they're losing seems very predictable in a lot of ways. It's, it's not always one person or one area of the team, but as we near the end of the second full month of baseball here, it's, it, this feels like a movie we've seen the ending for uh, several times already this season. And it's getting later than you might imagine. You know, you're you're five weeks away from July. Trade deadline discussions start picking up around the end of June, start of July. So being six games below 500 sucks. Yes, and some people point to the fact that they're only two and ten of one run games. That sucks. Yes, some flukiness probably. Yes, it doesn't matter though. They don't have the runway to get this potentially right before those July discussions, Corey. So right. I sit here approaching June and I'm pretty discouraged, man, because I feel as if looking back at this team, the bulk overwhelming feel is that they're in the right direction. They have these good performances, a lot of unexpected good performances, but at the same time, you have a lot of extremely bad performances and that is kind of clouding the overall feel and potentially putting the Cubs in a position where, you know what, this season's lost. And it's kind of a strong word to say it towards the end of May, and they could turn it around. But right now, you're like five weeks away. It's difficult to do that. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, we've been kind of conditioned to the last couple of years oh, now think? worry about where this team is come like early July, right? Because we just know the potential direction that a trade deadline might have. It's, it is a weird spot, right? Because we've, we and everybody else have talked about their run differential or where they rank in certain categories as, you know, for their starting rotation or their offense, this, that, and the other. Uh, 
And as we sit here now, right, like they are five games out of the division. I'm looking at the live standings as we record this, I think before Sunday night baseball. So things can change three and a half games out of a wild card spot. Mm -hmm. So literally speaking, they are in both of those races, right? That being said, you're going the wrong direction in a lot of these conversations. They are now below the St. Louis Cardinals in the standings, insane. despite the Cardinals insane. getting off to a horrible start. And as everybody predicted, right, their season seems to have turned around when they played the Chicago Cubs, right? A, a, a script that I think any of us could have written. Um, and, you know, they are closer to the Cincinnati Reds, who are in last place here, than they are to the Milwaukee Brewers, who are in first place. So you've gone the wrong direction. And I think really frustratingly, this all feels very winnable, right? You're, you're looking at a landscape. Yeah. Where you have teams that spent a ton of money, the San Diego Padres, the New York Mets who are underachieving, you're right there with them. Right. Uh, that being said, like your division is not very good. The Brewers are winning this division right now at a 25 and 21 record. The Cardinals got off to a slow start. Even if they write the ship and get toward the top, like a lot of people predicted, it's going to be hard for them to have a season where they win, you know, hundred games and, you know, run away with the division because of the way that they started. So it, it's a weird spot where you're, you're still in it, but it's, it's also very frustrating that this season has kind of played out exactly as a lot of us thought it would. Unfortunately, I think a lot of us would have hoped that they would have found a way to be closer to the middle in these close games rather than pretty much just losing all of them. Yeah. Well, it's a weird mix of being misfortunate. Like that is what's partially going on, right? But you want to try the most to limit the flukiness. And that's part of baseball. You're going to get some random nonsense going on. But where we've been at, we talked about this for like almost six months now, Corey, you want to have a roster built to attenuate the obvious uh, misfortune you're going to get throughout the season. And a lot of what the Cubs used to do well during that golden era in mid 2010s was limiting some of the flukiness, uh, growing the margin of error by having a deep roster, not taking as many chances on some veteran signings in the early to, to middle part of that run, right? This has always been the possibility where you do get guys who are performing well. You do get Nico Horner progressing. You do get some good development from guys like Christopher Morrell. And you get the pitching, for, for example, like Justin Steele looking good and sustainable. But at the same time, it's always a possibility that that's not going to be enough. And you have to hit on the extremes to even make those performances that we've just talked about valuable and worthwhile for the immediate season. And that's that's not what is going on. And it seemed it seemed avoidable. And that's the frustrating part. A lot of what we're seeing, I think there is a legitimate discussion to have that it was avoidable. When you defer 400 plate appearances, not even reaching June yet, to Nick Madrigal, Eric Hosmer, two guys we even discussed would be on the roster this year, in addition to Tucker Barnhart and Trey Mancini. And Hosmer isn't anymore. He's, but he, Since you know, we last spoke, he is yeah. not. So. Yeah. And still, which is crazy to even still say 400 plus uh, plate appearances. When you look at the bulk value, the cost of those four guys on the team, it's almost about 20 offensive runs. That's the equivalent. If you just take out the context, all the sequencing, 
an equivalent of about two wins. Just those four guys potentially may have cost you two wins, and that's not the case. We know it's been worse than that given their 2-1-10 record in one-run game. So I'm sitting here. I'm looking at the bulk majority of guys performing well, and I scroll down fan graphs, and I see that gaping hole at the back end of the roster, and we've had these discussions for five months trying to hope that they avoid that, and they they, they didn't do it, and yeah. this is where we are. And, you know, it's it's something that you've heard, I think, probably everybody uh, talk about or write about. And, you know, it all comes down to we talked a lot about, you know, winning on the margins. Right. And they're just not doing those things. And you go back to some of the quotes that Jed Hoyer has made in the past about how, you know, we knew this offense wasn't going to blow people out. And he talked about playing in so many close games and stuff like that. And, you know, he's rolled out a roster that is doing that exact same thing, right? Because the depth isn't there and you don't have the massive star power at the top. The the, the top portion of this lineup has been good. You've gotten yeah. some good performances out of these guys, but they don't have that elite group that is just carrying them regardless of what the bottom of the order is doing or the depth on the bench is doing, et cetera, et cetera. And you're seeing that pay dividends, right? You didn't build a strong, sure thing bullpen. You're seeing that pay dividends, right? Uh, Same with the back end of the offense. And this was always possible that despite getting a really good start from Cody Bellinger, say a Suzuki looking really good over this last stretch and his numbers overall looking really, really strong. Ian Happ really good start to the season, Nico Horner, Dansby Swanson, et cetera. Like it's not good enough to outweigh the rest of the team's performance. And you thought it would be, if you were to show me all those numbers and say, Hey, you know, as a group, the Cubs will have the second best weighted on base average towards June. I would have thought we're five games above 500. That's not the case. And it's because like you said, they don't have those surefire players. They can't afford any type of breakage in their roster. And you're seeing it play out almost worse than you and I imagined, Corey. This is worse than my expectations. And it's hard to shake that feeling. Yeah. So uh, Gary in our YouTube chat here with some numbers, uh, I saw that that same tweet from Jordan Bastian from MLB.com uh, on the two and seven road trip again in Minnesota, Houston, and finishing off here this weekend in Philadelphia, uh, a 234, 318, 418 slash line for the offense hitting 203 with runners in scoring position. Uh, That was all good for a negative 27 run differential, 7.51 ERA overall, 9.1 from the bullpen, 6.45 from the rotation. So, you know, the offense on the whole, not horrible, but not good with runners in scoring position. And then the pitching has just been dreadful. And I, I think the really frustrating thing for me in these close games is that when the offense is so inconsistent, right, you you end up in these scenarios where everybody's talking about, like, who should be where in the bullpen and, and things like that. And ultimately, like, we know, like, our, our guy Ryan Herrera and, and Luke and, and Cody had a conversation the other day, and Ryan was kind of going through how, you know, you don't have an immediate fix for this bullpen, right? Like, a Hall of Fame closer is not going to walk through the door just 
out of nowhere, right? And and come in and and shape the whole thing up, right? Even if you bring guys up from the minors who have performed well, the Cam Sanders types, yeah. et cetera, this there's is gonna group. be there's gonna be growing pains. There's gonna be roles that have to be figured out. There's gonna be all that stuff, right? So it puts everybody, the whole pitching staff on Sunday in a position where they can't make mistakes. Justin yeah. Steele was an inch. If Nick Castellanos doesn't decide to run on Saya, which was really stupid because Nick isn't fast. I mean, that was so easy to see coming. Uh, but if he doesn't do that, maybe the Phillies score there and Steele's facing a loss in the face because he dared to give up a single run, right? He didn't, so he did not get the loss, but you get the point. Then Alzali comes in, who's been on the whole pretty good out of the bullpen, but he makes one mistake, the game's over, Right. So it, it just puts this whole pitching staff where we're all going to feel worse about the bullpen, which isn't good and hasn't been good, but we're all going to feel worse about it because blowups are going to happen. And when your offense is so inconsistent and you're playing so many one-run games, you're going to feel those blowups. They're going to hurt because they're most likely going to cost you games. So it's it's just a rough spot to be in. And, you know, this road trip – also this week, you know, that you and I are, are covering, I think we'll predominantly talk about this Philly series, but you know, we are covering the whole week here since you and I, uh, last spoke, like it also included that just dreadful loss in Houston where they blew that late lead, uh, with lighter and Keegan Keegan ultimately gets optioned after that outing. And just, you know, one of the worst losses I think in recent memory, um, so this team is not doing well on the margins. They are not doing those little things. Well, they are not getting production out of the back end of their offense. They are all over the place as far as bullpen rolls and things like that. And you have a lot of moves. I think Dansby looks really good. Cody Bellinger obviously looks like a success for what you signed him at, but Jed definitely missed on some of these other moves, at least in the early going here. Um, Jamison Tyone, We'll talk about that. We'll we'll talk about, uh, but yeah, it's frustrating, man. It's it's frustrating because I th I think again th this division looks really winnable, and right now, you know, it, it it wasn't something where I think that you could have spent one off season and done X number of things to immediately put this organization into the World Series conversation and just be good to go for the next several years, right? It's a lot of moves, and it's it's not always that simple. Right. It's, it's not, but you can cut where they're at. Yeah. But like, it is frustrating to look at this now and say, man, like, had they been a little more aggressive yeah. or been a little more, you know, pointed in how they were going to address some of these concerns rather than bringing in Hosmer and saying, oh, we'll see what we get because we're not right. paying him anything. We hope Trey Mancini can kind of reclaim his career. Last we hope that. Signing. Letting Nick Madrigal, you know, play a little bit. He can kind of show the guy he was with the White Sox. Like, th that just hasn't worked. And right. unfortunately, right now, it feels like you are wasting a, a down year in the NL Central. It like that. Uh, that, that's how it feels at the moment as we sit here, you know, toward the end of May. Well, the, overall, the bullpen, they've blown games. Like, they've been bad the past few weeks. That's absolutely true. Their overall makeup is not as bad as it might appear. They still have the seventh best FIP in Major League Baseball. As a group, that's pretty good, right? It's shoring up the back end where you get to the eighth inning, you get to the ninth inning, and you don't have a group of pitchers who generate 
we contact in those situations. You want to just mitigate some of the 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 blue pits, as I always say, and that's cost them games. Not having that back end surefire whiff guy, not just like a Hall of Fame closer, but it's the acceptance of not having a bullpen that generates high level swings and misses. The pitch infrastructure is always like jokes. Oh, what about the pitching infrastructure? They've done a phenomenal job in that the current makeup of the bullpen, as well as the back end of the starting rotation, is being paid pretty minimal in terms of what they've done in the years past under Theo's regime. So overall, it's it's produced. Steel has produced. Alzolai's looked great. Even right now, Julian Merriweather is turning into perhaps a, a better than expected reliever given their early shortcomings. And you can see it working now with like Leiter, perhaps Estrada. You can see it working out. It's just they were willing to accept the risk in putting those guys in situations. And unfortunately, those situations are being from watching these games caused by just offensive outings at at times because of those back-end roster decisions. So they're being put in situations where you have a high volume of one-run games. Having 10 losses by one run is really difficult for any bullpen to maneuver out of at a consistent basis. So it is a combination of them not performing well Yes, it's not really an overwhelming bad bullpen. It's not that at all. It's just right now the Cubs are not hitting on those margins. And those fine margins, I feel as if they were avoidable. And to your point, Corey, talking about Hosmer and Mancini and Madrigal, those were the discussions we had. And I think a lot of us were really surprised when we started to have conversations about Christopher Morrell starting the year in AAA. I think we were really surprised, even dating back to last um, August, Corey, when we were talking about should Matt Mervis be called up in September. And we'll get into that. But the reality is we're learning about uh, Matt Mervis and perhaps you know he's looking overmatched too late in this process for this season. Now, if their intention is for 2024, that's fine. But then, you know, as a fan, you and I, we can critique that this opportunity in 2023 may have been missed because they were more intended to focus on 2024. Yeah, you would rather you would rather not be learning about Mervis. And he's struggling, right? I yeah, will be the bad. first to admit that. He he he's looks overmatched at the moment. But it's been what, 50? plate appearances like he needs the time of course right but it's one of those things where you would prefer you ended up in a scenario where a lot of people said like well he's not going to be the savior right and you should never have been looking at him like that right he had never played major league baseball but that's the position that they put him in because they didn't get production out of first base which is now multiple years where you have tried several different people from all walks of baseball life, right? From quad A players to prospects that never got a chance to, uh, you know, former successful guys that you were bringing in and you have not been able to find an answer there. And so now you're learning about Mervis and he needs to make adjustments, but you were kind of hoping that he was going to provide a lift to the offense. And now that burden gets shifted to him, right? That he's not producing from the first base position. It's a tough spot. So ultimately like, I think that 
I, you know, I, I, I do think like it does kind of have like a Dennis Green, Arizona Cardinals, you know, Devin Hester Bears situation, right? <laughs> like I think the Cubs are who we thought they were, right? And if you go back to a lot of the conversations that you and I had, and I think the entire CHGO team had, like if you go and look at our preseason predictions, like nobody had them as like a runaway great team. We had them in the mix, right? Which is where it feels like they are. But we knew they were going to play a lot of close games. And we talked about this a lot. The re- And Jed Hoyer talked about this a lot. And he didn't do anything to fix it, right? Which is our he favorite he thing. When he, right? when he said, hey, we're going to add power. You know, we got right. Trey Mancini out there. But no. when you play a lot of close games, this is the risk. It, it, the, the risk is oh, yeah. that it doesn't work your the way. bullpen blowups happen at the wrong time in the wrong game. The offense shuts down in the wrong time at the wrong game. Injuries happen and you end up, look, I know injuries happen and things like that, but you know, the, the, the lineup to the bottom of the lineup today features Mike Talkman who walked a couple times and like, look fine. He did get picked off and made a nice catch, but you've got him in the five Christopher Morrell in the six for a reason that I can't understand Mervis, who is a rookie who's struggling miles master Boney followed by Tucker Barnhart. Like that's not. It's like, not what serious. Do you, what do you Brendan. expect? It's not a serious lineup. And I know, again, it's Bellinger's hurt. I, I understand, right? Jan Gomes can't play every day, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't build the team. I don't get paid to build the team. I don't get paid to build the, the depth you on this to. team. That lineup sucks, Brendan. It sucks. It, it, Flat it out. It sucks. And that's what you're rolling out there, trying to avoid losing another series and having a dreadful road trip. And that's what Ross rolls out there. I don't want to get into, I don't think we have time today. I think we have too many players to discuss. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. I don't think we have time. I think ultimately for you me, will at, at, this, some point. at this moment in time, if I were going to give you a too long, didn't read version of my feelings on it, I think Jed gave David a flawed roster, and I don't think David is good enough as a manager to overcome that. And I think in some areas, he probably makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. With with if you gave David Ross the 2016 Cubs, I don't think he prevents them from winning the World Series. Which they did. They correct. did win the World Series with Joe Madden. Series, yes. Yeah. Uh, but when you give him a flawed roster like this with a bullpen that you know has roles to figure out and an offense that is struggling and think I he, I I don't think he's good enough. And I think he's made plenty of mistakes that have contributed to the one these one run losses. But Jed Hoyer put this roster together. So it, you know, it all goes together, how you'd want to lay out who you want to blame and things like that. That's up to you. But I think this is what happens when you build a team that's destined to play a lot of close games. You run the risk that you lose a lot of them. That's just how it goes. All right, let's take a quick uh, ad break here. We'll get back to this. First ad break here from our sponsor, Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that I have worn. They're durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is also providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact, from building play sets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults 
With MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back exclusively. For our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Drive for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. And for Memorial Day, Shady Rays Memorial Day sale is live right now. Go to ShadyRays.com and get 35% off sunglasses. Drive for yourself. The Shades rated five stars again by almost a quarter million people. Second break here from our sponsor, Game Time. Game Time is the place for last minute tickets. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has tickets on has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, guess what? Game day, game time will credit you 110% off the difference. I'm going to be using game time to buy the upcoming Cubs Padres games tickets. I may not want to go to this series, Corey. So I may need to rely on game time. If the Cubs start looking better, I'll use that app the same day. I know I'll be getting the best tickets and the price guaranteed through their app. It's the fastest growing ticket ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download their app, create an account, and use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Brendan. Uh, yeah, so I want to talk about some of the specific players, but I'll I'll end on you know just sort of saying that I I, I feel like they shouldn't be in this particular position, right? Like, I feel like I don't think this team is great, but I think they are underperforming some of the individual performances they have. I saw somebody put it, I think it was on Twitter that the sum of the parts for this team feels lesser than, right. Than the individual parts. I I don't think this team should be 10 games over 500, but six under and two and seven road trips and two and 10 and one run games. I, I think they should be better than that. So whether that is on Jed for the, you know, back end of the roster or Ross's management, I don't know. Uh, but I just think that some of the individual performances they've gotten, I think, should have them in a better position. That's just my, you know, yeah. two cents on it. Um, but yeah, as you know, some of uh, the YouTube chat is pointing out, it's a long season. And they, as we started the show by saying they're, they're in all of these races. So they, they do, uh, you know, if they can get it turned around and start playing better baseball soon. Like they'll find themselves right in the thick of things. Cause that's pretty much where they are. Despite- if you're, let's, let's, let's put a scenario out there. It's June 30th. You're one game below 500 and you're three games back of the wild card. You think Jed's going to go out and buy? There's no way. Yeah. There's no way. That's the fear. As I said, we've been conditioned as a fan base, unfortunately, to assume that in some of these years, the front office is fine selling pieces at the deadline if they're not fully in it. So I think that's where sort of the urgency comes yeah. from, right? But the, the urgency isn't there, though, Corey. Like, that's the thing. Like, the writing's on the right. wall. They will not 
buy at the deadline unless they have a significant turnaround at this point. It's not early anymore. It's almost yeah. June. We'll see. Uh, it, it is a shame, though, like the road trip, because I think it I, I would love to be talking more about some of the performances that they're getting. Right. Um, Justin Steele coming back from uh, a bad outing previously, six innings, four hits, no runs, one walk, six strikeouts, 2.2 ERA on the season. He was fabulous against this Phillies lineup on Sunday. Uh, Christopher Morell is in the middle of a stretch that, you know, we just have not seen. I I don't think ever. He has eight home runs in 11 games. I mean, that is just truly absurd what he is doing. He is the first Cub in franchise history since 1901 to hit eight home runs in his first 11 games. And, you know, sure, he's striking out plenty, right? He's got a 37.5% strikeout rate. Uh, but he has a 957 slug, Brendan. So strike out all you want if he's going to homer literally every game, which to be fair, right, is what he was doing in Iowa. So a lot of people were like, well, he's striking out too much, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Like he's doing almost the exact same thing. He was homering basically every day and striking out a ton. And it's, you know, it's, it's, a it's not the prettiest overall thing, right? And some of the strikeout at bats look bad, but the dude is smacking the ball when he's getting it and the offense yeah. he's providing is certainly, you know, it's, it's necessary, right? Like the, in, in a lot of these games, he's been the only bright spot on offense and, and providing those, those uh, spots. Do you have a particular feeling on where he should be hitting in the order? Uh, because I know like a lot of people, you know, David's put him ninth at times. He was hitting sixth today. Uh, and it is sort of a tricky thing to balance, right? Cause he is striking out a lot. Uh, and for a team that struggled with runners in scoring position and, you know, isn't really performing in that way, the way that you want, where, where do you think the ideal position now that Nico's back? I know he let off uh, a few games while Nico was out. Where is it? Let's say, uh, you know, I don't expect him to Homer in ev- every eight out of 11 does, games, you know, clean up, but he might, right. Um, let's say some version of this is how he looks for the rest of the year. High K rate, a lot of power, a lot of slug where when Cody Bellinger comes back, where is the right spot for that kind of profile? I think six is fine. You know, I think that's, I think that's fine. You can critique the line of construction, you know, where Morel is at the current moment, but you know, long-term given what we have with Nico's contact rate, Dasby's improved plate discipline, say uh, half Bellinger, assuming he's on the team, you know, come July, Six is fine. It's I, I. There's still so many other possibilities in this lineup where I feel as if it's not even worth talking about his line of construction. I feel I feel as if it's more. I feel like if it's if it's a better conversation to have of can this continue right with that whiff rate? Is this something that was projectable? Did he develop this power as a result of that short Iowa stint? And ultimately, was it always inevitable and a mistake to have started him in Iowa with the intention to improve your contact, but the reverse happened where he came out with a worse contact rate and power on par with some of the best in Major League Baseball. So I think that's kind of an interesting discussion to have. I don't have a good feel for it. Of course, he went to Iowa. Now he's on pace to hit 30 plus home runs. That's what happened. Was it always inevitable? I'm not sure. But his profile as it stands right now, it's almost identical to what we saw in early Javi Baez days where he was whiffing 40% of the time and showcasing top-tier power. Ultimately, Javi adjusted in 2017, 2018, improved that contact rate to an acceptable level, and he had an MVP-type season. 
that's a lot to ask for Morel. And it's kind of like a lazy comparison to make between the two. But in terms of what the Cubs have had in years past, Javi and that ultra extreme whiff rate, similar to what we saw with Patrick Wisdom in 2021, you know, you have to eventually make those adjustments or ultimately that's not going to last. Yeah. And I, you know, but obviously the team needs this. Uh, they needed his, his energy and his performance at the plate. Um, and you know, I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds, but I would have liked to have seen it when they broke camp. I don't buy that any of this time in Iowa was necessary. Um, he's not really, he's not really a better defender, which I think you would have hoped like that would have been part of it. He wasn't even playing, you know, he's not even playing third base, which is sort of where we thought he might end up. So it's frustrating because we may look back at this come the off season and we look at where are the holes on this roster and third base might be a hole, right? Yeah. Wisdom could still be on the team, but we're, we're going to look back at this time and we're going to always remember they gave Nick magical the first opportunity that, and not Morel. And like for years, we've tried to understand how do you develop Ian Happ and Schwarber and this large group of prospects in a log jam. And a lot of them ultimately had to leave the roster. Schwarber, there was no room. Then tender him a contract given even some of the financial restrictions, but there was just no room. They put Ian Happ in left field. Ian Happ himself said on this show that him being in left field consistently, one, made him a better hitter, and two, allowed him to adapt and grow as a defensive goal glove left fielder. And it's like, you know, you you can apply the same logic to third base and Christopher Morrell. And their intention was the complete opposite. Let's not even play Morrell at third base. Let's give Nick Magical the first shot. And as a fan, personally, I'm very frustrated with that. I can understand the process in general, but as a fan, that's something that I just will never accept. I, I have a hard time accepting that was the obvious best path forward. And so far it has not worked whatsoever and it's actually been worse than my expectations yeah well they have him now and he's <laughs> homering in basically every game so yeah. hopefully uh you know he continues to get in there and you know the offense rounds into form a little bit more i i, I do i do want to get to one of the guys that has been struggling uh and that's Jamison tyone that's that's been a pretty big topic and i think a lot of people are curious in particular for your thoughts uh as the the, the resident pitch doctor here um the the first caveat which is a caveat that we've given on some other signings like they signed him to a four-year deal right it's very early into a four-year deal there are plenty of contracts that the cubs have had where you can go through the first month or so of that contract and it didn't look good, and eventually it looks pretty good, right? You Darvish was incredible uh, for the Cubs toward the end of his contract. He was not John good Lester. at the beginning of his contract. John Lester didn't have a good April, Legend. right, to start his contract, and he's one of the best signings in Chicago Cubs history, yeah. right? Uh, so I think it it's early, uh, but that being said, right, the team has not won. Uh, in any game that he has started. Jamison Tyone has started seven games this year. He does not have the loss in all of those games, but the team does. The team is 0-7 when Jamison Tyone takes the hill. Uh, in looking at his game log, four, uh, all four outings in the month of May, uh, and again, you know, he was dealing with an injury, you know, they how, whether they rushed him back or whatever, he didn't go back on that uh, rehab 
you know, full rehab stint, whatever. He just came back, right? So all of this is the context. Uh, but all of his starts in the month of May are less than five innings. Three of those four starts are three innings or less. Uh, and in those May starts, he's given up six earned runs, four earned runs, four earned runs, three earned runs. This is all in five innings or less, right? So the biggest problem for me, Brendan, is that he has put the team behind the eight ball in so many of these games, right? You can live with a handful of runs over the course of six or seven innings if he's keeping the team in the game and, you know, keeping the offense in the mix for the majority of the game. When you're putting the team down like he did in this Philly series, six runs, seven runs, eight runs, I think a couple of them were unearned on Friday, like in the second inning, it's pretty demoralizing, right? I've never been a major league hitter. I don't claim to be, but I can imagine going up there in the second inning down by seven runs is not exactly the most inspiring thing uh, for an offense that has had, you know, inconsistency problems, right? So what are you seeing from Tyon? Where are these struggles coming from? And how do you think the Cubs should best proceed to, it, it's a four-year deal, right? You have a long time to get him right. And he was very solid for a New York Yankees team that pitches in a hitter-friendly ballpark last year and was in the thick of a playoff race. So it's not like he was pitching in low stakes games where he was very solid for the New York Yankees. So how do you get him back to where he wants to be? What's the sort of immediate solution? And is there anything in particular that jumps out to you that says, hey, this is why he's struggling? Yeah, well, he's a, he's a, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but he's a, he's a very different pitcher this year than he was last year, not because of the results, but because of the pitch types he's using. So in a, in a, in a weird way, this kind of reminds me of how they operated with Stroman and Zach Davies. It's a weird combination to have of the two, but what they did with Davies was change how he used his two seam fastball where they had success going up and into right-handed batter with two seam fastballs, but Davies, the command with that pitch wasn't there. And he got shelled off the team within a year, went to the Diamondbacks, had some success. Stroman, the idea was, Hey, your four seam looks pretty good. Let's just swip, switch your two seamer and four seam usage. And that didn't work for Stroman last year, went back to the sinker. Stro or for uh, Tyon, it's been, let's add that sweeper. Let's change your slider. And as a result, what has happened is he's gone to a cutter for 30% of his pitches, whereas last year he had that cutter that he used only 10% of the time. That slider that he was using last year was used about 18% of the time. That slider is not really used it's more of that sweepy looking pitch now. So last year with the Yankees, he relied on a slider, relied on a four seam fastball, sinker, change up curveball, had success, commanded very well, just didn't get the whiffs. Comes over to the Cubs, add in the sweeper. Now let's start throwing your hard cutter way more often, three times more than you're accustomed to. And let's see if that works. It hasn't worked. And then in particular too, this is a weird thing. I don't really know why this is happening, but if you look at just his sinker command, thank you, Joey. If you're on the YouTube channel, you can see this. Uh, on the left, you can see his location of his sinker, which is basically down and in 
to the kneecaps of right-handed batters. He can also throw that towards their hips as well. Now, if you look at 2023, that sinker command has leaked over to the center of the plate. Those pitches, those sinkers are cost, costing him all the runs that we're seeing. It's not like the hang curveballs that we saw with Schwarber getting shelled. That's that's a problem, yes. But the majority of this of the runs given up are coming because that sinker command is just not there. So then the idea is, okay, well, if you have the cutter being used three times more often, if you have this sweeping slider, which is looking pretty good, but still maybe not completely comfortable, you know, what is that doing to his overall command, his overall mindset, his overall feel for the pitches he's been using for, you know, the majority of his career? Maybe there's a cost and the cost is you don't have that feel for your pitches that have given you the success. So sometimes when you try to add in new pitch types, it works. It's worked for a lot of different guys in the Cubs. Sometimes you have to dial it back and accept who you are. And it's worked for Stroman. It's worked for Justin Steele. And I wonder if we'll get to the point, it's not saying we're there or it's not even implying that it has to happen because his pitches have looked overall good. But I wonder if we'll get to the point where you do have to just dial it back a little bit and get Tyon back to the point where he was successful as a Yankee. And that might be shifting that pitch repertoire a little bit to what he used to use. Who knows? That's something to monitor. I have no idea. Yeah, no, I mean, Hey, it, it, it's all fair. And I mean, he, he does have a track record of obviously being better than this. So, uh, are you worried about him? No, but like I said, like you just what you, you you need him to be better than blow ups that last two innings, right? The month of yeah. May has just been exceptionally rough, and you know part of the problem, right? Like Justin Steele, great in this last outing, you know, but he and Stroman had bad outings, right? Guys aren't going to be perfect, and when you're not getting that support, you weren't getting that support from Wes Neski. You weren't getting that support from Tyone. It just puts so much pressure on those top three guys. It's unsettling, uh, no. I will say it's unsettling, right? Yeah. Like it is. He's he's these are major changes, dude. Like you're trying to majorly change a pitcher who's been successful for like seven seasons. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I yeah, like your rotation, but and I, I I don't know. Like I said, you know, he didn't go out on that rehab stint uh after the injury. Yeah, he and, might still be hurt. You know, yeah, maybe Maybe you just need a reset, right? Like take it easy, have a few starts in AAA. Like not everything when you, you go to AAA, it doesn't have Option to be a demotion, right? Like it, it doesn't have to work that way, you know? But uh, if he's not mechanically all there, if it's it's not, it's obviously not going well right yeah. now. And, you know, that's kind of the larger point is that this is something that you obviously need to fix for 2023, but you have him signed for three more seasons. Yeah, this has to get after on this. track. You, you, want, you want him to be a contributing member of this rotation for all four years of that contract, whether that's as a number three starter or a number five starter, it doesn't matter, right? You're paying yeah. the guy to do it. You need to figure it out. It doesn't have to get figured out tomorrow, but... Again, the, the the big thing for me is you can't have those starts that that just put the offense in such a hole. It's demoralizing. They already have enough problems trying to win two to one games, right? Like they don't need to be down six to nothing in the third inning. And I know, of course, it's not as easy for Jamison Tyone to say, oh, well, I should just stop doing that, right? Like I get it. But th that's that's where I start to talk about, hey, maybe it would be better to work through this in AAA rather than at the big league level. Cause right now the big league level can't afford it. 
Like yeah. they need stability. So we're going to, you know, pause to thank our sponsors here one more time. And then we're going to talk about someone who maybe can come and stabilize this rotation. I don't know. You guys may know him. Uh, his name is Kyle Hendricks and we'll see what he has to offer. Yeah. Before I do the break, if there's one piece of hope is that the Cubs have righted some wrongs they've tried to experiment with, with steel and with uh, Stroman last year. So if there's reason for hope with Tyone, I think you can point to just recency within a year yeah. of them doing that. So, I- well, and uh, you know, as, as our YouTube chat was pointing out, like, you know, again, same thing, like you Darvish struggled, they worked on it, they kept uh-huh. on it. And he ended up in, in the Cy Young conversation yeah. by the time we rolled around to that short in 2020 season. And he's been great ever yeah. since. I, I don't want to get you started on you Darvish, but you know, you look at Craig Kim- Kimbrell too, right? Had a yeah. horrible start to his time as a cub. And by the time they ended up trading him, it looked like he, you know, his Hall of Fame pedigree, right? Which he has not discovered too much outside of his time with the Cubs. So they do have a track record of, you know, figuring stuff out if they they take the time to do it. So hopefully they can at least get Tyone going on the right track. And it's not a certainty and they're all different. But let me do this ad break here before I get too... Much in the weeds, uh, ad break here from our sponsor, FOCO. You guys know all about FOCO. Gift fitted out in the best sports gear around. They have hoodies. They have shoes. They have signs. They have bobbleheads. They have everything in between. They have Aloha shirts. They have straw hats. They have polos. They have bags. You want to go to the Wrigley bleachers in the sun. You want to get protected from that sun. Get a straw hat. If you want to look like our own Ryan Herrera, get an Aloha shirt to go with it. They also have cool slippers, Cubs moccasins. They have great uh, bobbleheads, Hayden Wisniewski bobbleheads. Hopefully Hayden is going to turn things around, looking much better in his first start in Iowa. So check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-pre-sale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. All right, Brendan. So let's talk about Kyle Hendricks. Uh, Kyle Hendricks uh, presumably has finished his rehab stint in Iowa. The Cubs have not made an official declaration on this, but all signs pointing to Kyle joining at some point on this homestand. Uh, On the 20th yesterday, uh, Hendricks goes six innings, five hits, one earned, six K, one walk uh, for the Iowa Cubs. Velocity, Uh, Yes, friend of the program, Alex Cohn, the Iowa Cubs broadcaster, pointing out that he has a 1.69 ERA in his last three starts for Iowa, going at least five innings uh, in each of those starts, pointing out that he looks healthy. The guns, which you never know, right? Sometimes they're hot at these minor league stadiums, uh, touching 90 you know, 88, 89 sitting, but, you know, getting up there, all the the gas at 90 miles yeah. per hour, Brendan. Yeah. Um, so... It, it didn't start well in his rehab stint, but he he appears to be looking a lot better. And I mean, just those that have seen him pitch in these outings saying that he looks really good. Um, and I, yeah, I would also point out that he did, like everybody else, have really nice things to say about throwing to Miguel Amaya. I'll let yeah. you guys do with that information what you will. Uh, but what is a realistic expectation for... Okay. Kyle Hendricks. And I guess how would you, uh, and, and maybe it goes along with the Jamison Tyone conversation. Cause obviously right now, Marcus Stroman has been great this season. Justin Steele has been unbelievable. And again, I, I wish that the, the state of the team, we've talked about Justin Steele a lot, but I wish it allowed us to really hone in on that more. Cause like, I'm sure some people are tired I mean, of hearing unreal. like, 
Yeah, like the Cubs yeah. have a top of the rotation, you know, frontline starter that they developed, like homegrown. Yeah. We we scream it from the mountaintops, but I feel like we can't talk about it enough. Like he was so good on Sunday against the Phillies. And it's just a shame that he doesn't get the win. And at certain points in the game, we're worried about him taking a loss, like a one to nothing <laughs> loss, right? He's been great. Obviously, he should be an all-star at this point. He's in any kind of conversation you want to put him in for MVP. awards this season. Yeah. Drew Smiley has been really, really good outside of, I think, that one start in Cincinnati. Exceptional, Drew Smiley. Um, Tyona struggled. Wisniewski struggled. Looked fine. Too many walks. But, uh, you know, I think, did he not allow a hit? I can't even remember. He looked really good on Friday for the Iowa Cubs. Hayden yeah. did. Uh, and I think six innings of work. Uh, Hendricks trending in the right direction. Where does he slot in? Can we expect anything from him? Do we not know given the injury and how long it's been since he's pitched? You're uh, outside of, you have spent, I think, most of your life dissecting <laughs> Jake Arietta. I think I of any pitcher that you have looked at, uh, yes, uh, Evil Wax in our YouTube chats has four walks and no hits for Hayden Wisniewski the other and, night. So it's a good, by, a good start for Hayden. Too. Yeah. Um, you've written about, you've studied Jake Arietta oh, so yeah. much, oh, but yeah. I think. Right. Like, especially because Jake hasn't been here the whole time. Kyle Hendricks is probably a close second. I would say sure. you have perhaps the most intimate working knowledge of Kyle Hendricks of most people on planet Earth. Look at that. So what what are we expecting here, if anything? And and how would you kind of how would you expect the Cubs to go about their starting rotation once they reinsert him, which they will? Yeah, the discussion last year with Kyle was why is he having such a struggle if his changeup was being so productive? That was the discussion last year. His changeup whiff rate was the highest of his career at a point before he was injured last year. So I'm thinking to myself, like, what is going on here? The sinker is just not being commanded. The velocity is a little bit lower. Of course, it comes out, you know, he has that capsular tear makes complete sense has to change his mechanics to get beyond some of those some of those problems and that is the shoulder for the layman I, yeah you know i'm not like a, a anatomist over here Corey. you know i just look at i just look okay. at data that's what i do uh <laughs> uh so yeah you know i don't know uh so his shoulder injury is going to be a problem but the idea is if it's to a point where he's comfortable not feeling pain if the altered mechanics permit having like five plus inning starts, then I think you're okay allowing yourself to have optimism. For me, like any shoulder injury is just going to always scare me. And there's always going to be a level of uncertainty that I'm not comfortable with. But in Kyle's role, given Stroman, given Steele, given Smiley, his role right now as a back-end starter with that potential is awesome for this team. I think that's where we're at. If you want to rely on Kyle as like, you know, 175 plus inning guy going forward, that's the wrong expectation. But if you want to rely on Kyle giving you quality starts over the next three months, if he's saying he feels good, if the if the velocity looks good, if the changeup continues to get whiffs as it did last season, then the missing link is just getting that command, that sinker to the point where it was before he was injured. And if the injury is gone, then absolutely allow yourself to be optimistic, but always keep that in the back of your mind that he has a capsular tear. And there's a level of uncertainty that's always going to be there because not many pitchers pitch through it and come back successfully. It can happen, but it's very difficult to do. 
All right. Well, I mean, look, like the Cubs need stability in the in the back end of this rotation. So if he can provide that, I think, yeah, I think that's right on. Like, I feel better about him now learning about what he's doing and seeing the results than I did two months ago. That I will yeah. say. Well, and I, and I think, you know, again, obviously it's uh, a stint in Iowa. AAA is not the majors, right? Uh, but I think the fact that we have seen him go from struggling in these outings, right? Like getting through his pitches, but giving up runs and not looking great in the early going of this stint in Iowa to the opposite, right? Everything's getting dialed in. The velo looks good. The results are getting better. The innings are longer. The runs are going away, right? Like that's what you want to see. Like he's clearly putting stuff together. He's feeling good. His game plans are being executed even at the AAA level. So that is reason for optimism, right? So I think so. Uh, yeah. And, and again, look like from Tyone or Wisniewski or guys they've thrown in there, they just have not gotten consistency and stability in the back end of that rotation. You need somebody to come in and take some of the pressure off of Justin Steele to be literally perfect and Marcus Stroman to be literally perfect. Um, and I, I think Kyle can do that. If the velo looks good as it has in these outings with Iowa, uh, yeah, he, he has the, the stuff to make this work. Uh, if you're expecting him to be 2016 third place in the Cy Young, Kyle Hendricks, maybe probably, probably the wrong, (laughs) probably the wrong expectation. Probably. Yes. Yeah. But I think fair to hope that he can be a, a useful contributor, uh, with his veteran savvy and just how intelligent he is and how, uh, you know, meticulous he is in his work and in preparation to be a contributing stable member of this rotation, especially given that the bar is pretty low for him to step over to do that. If it gives you any confidence, I did stash him on my fantasy team. So, you know, there you go. Right. That's all you guys need need to know. He's on Corey Freeman's fantasy baseball team. My awful fantasy team. Yeah. 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 Well, it reminded me too, like Hayden Wisniewski was talking about watching Kyle Hendricks bullpen. And first off, when Hayden talks about baseball, I know he struggled. Right. But when he talks about baseball, like the amount of enthusiasm on that guy's face is unparalleled. Like he buys in to every small detail so much that like I get pumped up listening to Hayden talk about baseball, but he was saying that when Kyle throws his bullpens, it's robotic. He's never seen anything like that. He gets the ball. It's the exact time point in between pitches. He lands at the exact same ending point and Hayden was like blown away with that consistency so to your point you do have a developing bullpen you do have developing pitchers that is valuable and you know sometimes that changes the trajectory of certain guys career and Kyle will point to Jake Arrieta kind of getting Kyle to a point of success or leaning on him for different advice and whatever and if you look at how Jake Arrieta used to pitch and Kyle Hendricks how he pitched in those you know glory days, they were kind of similar. They had Jake Arrieta going back door with the two-seamer. That was Kyle Hendricks' uh, bread and butter. Now, the difference is that Arietta was not willing to go up in the zone with those two-seamers and four-seamers as much as Kyle did in 2017-2018, but it's that type of like veteran mentorship that can just unlock something. And similar to your guy, Corey, John Lester, and Justin Steele, you never know what type of information is valuable. Sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I'm excited to get Kyle back. I'm excited that, you know, he was yeah, doing well him. in 
in uh, toward the end of this stint, trending the right direction, and they they need him. So I, I hope that he can come in and and look more like himself uh, than he did. You know, the last time we saw him up in the major leagues, we do have a, a question in our YouTube chat from. Uh, Craig, why has PCA not played since last Tuesday? I don't have the answer I, for you. I have no um, I, I, I don't know. We have some great guys uh, on social media. Brian Smith from Bleacher Nation, Greg Huss, Greg Zumak from uh, Northside Bound uh, that do great work, and they they may have the answer for you as we record this on Sunday. I know at one point, I think a couple weeks ago, he was just sick like and just missed some time because he just wasn't feeling well. Um, so I haven't heard anything about anything to be worried about. Uh, but yes, Craig wondering, I, hopefully maybe, the Otani trade maybe, is coming. Correct. Maybe that is why. Um, yeah. So I, I, I would usually with stuff like this, if we haven't heard anything, well, um, now, I'm, now I'm worried. No, don't worry. I correct. Why did you have to put that thought to, in my mind? To Craig? me, uh, if we don't hear anything kind of quickly or immediately, like right after a game or he doesn't get pulled, he probably just isn't I'm feeling well or something like that. Right now. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it is. Uh, now we've got the Sunday scaries for Brendan here. Yeah, so thanks man. Um, there Jeez. we go. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so just a, a couple more things to hit on. I, I do want to talk about the bullpen. Um, Albert Azalai obviously gives up some runs on Sunday, but you know, overall his ERA is still sub two seven. I think it's like yeah, two six on the season. Uh, Jeremiah Estrada gets in there, but we have yet to see him in high leverage spots, which is something that I know you've wanted. Julian Merriweather trending the right direction. Um, any, any kind of movement on your end in terms of where you'd like to see these guys. And, you know, I guess, how do you feel about Ross's usage of everybody? I, I think, you know, obviously we've seen Keegan get, uh, knocked down, you know, option to, to work on some stuff. He's obviously struggled. Uh, but at some point the Cubs are going to need this bullpen to stabilize and, and start, you know, allowing them to close some of these games out. So any, you know, concern from the, the Homer allowed by Alzali on Sunday or anything you're seeing from these guys It's part of the process with Alzali, right? I mean, with him, you know, he's been working on three different breaking pitches, the bulk, Value is good from Adbear. I think you can uh, complement him well against like heavy righty innings, and you can use him and say Jeremiah Estrada, which was actually he was used today. I was surprised. So you yeah. can use him and Alzali against heavy righties. I think that's a great idea. And then you can use Lighter and Merriweather against lefties. Merriweather has that like diving slider that's particularly good against left-handed batters, and he got that whiff on Bryce Harper using that 90-mile-per-hour diving slider. So at least in the current moment, where I'm at with those guys at the back end is optimizing the matchups, getting Adber, getting Lighter, Merriweather, and perhaps prompting more of Estrada at the back end makes sense. They need Fulmer to rebound. They need back end stability. Like Fulmer, for all the struggles that he's had, he is important for this team right now because he's in the back end discussion. Like they went and gave Fulmer that roster spot, right? That was the thinking of this front office. So either Adbear and Estrada get more leverage opportunities, or you have to hope and rely that Fulmer gets those uh, pitches back on track. For me, it's how do you get 
Strada to a point where he's comfortable in those innings? How do you get Merriweather to a point where he's going to be facing higher leverage innings? Is that going to mess with him? I think we need to find that out pretty fast. And yeah. honestly, I don't think he has, I don't think Ross has much of a alternative at this right. point. I think that that's the obvious way forward. Yeah. I, yeah, th- this is one of those areas where I don't, I don't think that Ross has been particularly good with a, a hand, a lot of things, right. As I said, like, I, I don't really think he's a great manager, uh, but this is a tough spot for him, right? Like Jed didn't give him a, a bunch of proven guys in this bullpen. Yeah. I will say though that Keegan, that Keegan. Well, so I was, I was going to get there. Yeah. You got to let me get question. So like Fulmer and Boxberger, those are the veterans that he brought in. They had a track record of success. It hasn't worked out that way in, in the early going, obviously they're different players, not apples to apples. Uh, but like he moved on from Fulmer and high leverage pretty quickly. Uh, and you know, I lingered on Boxberger too long. Boxberger, I, I don't think should come back. I think he's he's done. I think he's washed, but separate, separate thing. Uh, a lot of these guys though, like you're going to have to play around, right? Like the, the chat has been discussing, like you got to see, like he has to, at some point, let Estrada pitch in a high leverage moment. Like I, he's avoiding it like the plague. Right. Yeah, uh, so we do have to learn about some of these things, but what I was going to say is like some of this, it's like, it's tough. He has to figure it out and he has to figure it out on the fly in these games, especially when Keegan, a guy you thought was going to be, you know, probably a top two contributor in this bullpen is not even on the team right now because he's working on stuff because his walk rate exploded and he just has not been good all season. Um, but that's the part where I, I do look at at Ross. Um, and it's like, why, why is Keegan in that spot in that Astros game? If he struggled all season, yeah. right. You set up that game that way. You have to know who's going to be in and, and kind of map all that out. So that's where I, I, I kind of land where it's, it's tough to decide. Like, I think so many people are like, it's Ross's fault. He stinks. It's Jed's fault. You know, he did this and this and this, like, I think it's somewhere for the bullpen in particular. I think it's somewhere in the middle, right? Ross was not given a proven top-down bullpen. He's going to have to figure it out on the fly. That being said, I don't think he's done a you know, a great job of that. So it's, it's okay to say that both have not done a good job. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, they both have not done a, the, the the best job. I mean, the results are right there. There's six games below 500. Of course, both have not done a good enough job and they'll be the first to say it. Will they? Maybe not. Yeah. I mean, Maybe I would not. love to hear them say that. Um, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure about that. And you know, they, they, this is a longer thing, but you know, again, like this is, this is what you get, Right. You, I'm not a big advocate in spending a ton of money on bullpen arms, but you went the particularly cheaper route on a lot of guys, right? Uh, even in years past, I think they've spent a little bit more on some bullpen arms and you didn't do that. And, you know, the risk, as I think Cody and Ryan and Luke talked about, like the Cubs have had a really good reputation of bringing in veterans or reclamation projects, et cetera, and, and getting good results out of them, right? Like old friend, Ryan Tapera was just DFA. The Cubs got some really good seasons out of Ryan Tapera, Ryan Tapera. It might as well. Um, but that being said, like it's, it's a risky process, right? 
Like you're bringing in older guys and guys that, you know, need to figure stuff out or reclaim their past glory. Like that's a a risky proposition. It's not always going to pay off for you. So that's kind of what you're looking at. And I think, yeah, Ross is going to have to trust these young guys and let them kind of fall into place as far as the roles go and, and let their pitching kind of determine that. And it's going to come with some lumps along the way. Uh, as of course we saw on Sunday against the Phillies where Adbert's been really good for, for the majority of this season. He has had a couple bad outings, but his numbers look really good. Unfortunately, when you don't score any runs, those, you know, once yeah. a week bullpen blowups from a particular guy, boy, are they going to hurt? Right. So, uh, now like you come home, you have a day off on Monday and you come back to beautiful historic Wrigley field. You've got a potentially tough portion of the schedule. The New York Mets, I think have been playing better, but they haven't been great on the whole. Uh, then you have the reds and then you've at the end of the month here, you have the Tampa Bay rays coming in. So that is your upcoming homestand this week, the Mets and the reds with an off day on Monday and then the Rays to finish it off. But when you start this on Tuesday, no off days. So that's going to be nine straight days oh, of yeah. baseball games, uh, some of which are coming against, you know, probably some some better competition. So that being said, like, you got to start winning some games, man. You know, you, yeah. you, you know, it's, and I think we find ourselves kind of asking for the same thing. Obviously, we're waiting for Cody Bellinger to come back. Uh, but I, I know guys have to play. I know you need the rest. I think the way that some of this has played out, um, not my favorite from from David Ross. I think you have guys in there. When Tucker Barnhart's playing, the the best other eight guys need to be playing, right? And I don't think that's always how it's hmm. how it's gone. Um, but got to start winning games. You have to clean up on the margins too, you know. And and for as much as we talk about. Um, you know, Ross and Jed, like these guys got to perform too, you know, the, the players have to come in and do their jobs. Like that's also been part of it as well. Like we, we go back to that Houston game. You and I didn't get a a chance to talk about it, but like you had a a several run lead late in the game. I think they, they showed a stat that teams had lost like one game in, in those particular, all teams across the league in those like particular parameters, guys got to come in and get outs. Man, you have to be able to throw strikes. You have yeah. to be able to get outs yeah. and and hold a five run lead. You know, late in the game, you you have to be able to execute those things. So it's it's on everybody, uh, and it's a weird stretch, Brendan, because I think you can look at a lot of this stuff and be pessimistic or optimistic about it. It really is like th- this team right now feels like looking at a glass of water that is half full, and you can you can you can interpret it however you want, right? You can look at some of their overall metrics and say, hey, I think they should be better than six games under 500. You can look at some of it and say they didn't capitalize on that, and now I think they're going to get worse, right? And it's up to you. But they're they're technically in it, and they've gotten some really good performances. they got to turn it around at home. Yeah, I think I'm looking at it glass half empty at this point. <laughs> but, like, you know, I can wake up tomorrow and I'll – look at it glass glass half full. I've swing back and forth on this, right? It's just yeah. 
not to belabor the point, but we we knew this was a possibility. Like we had these exact discussions uh, throughout the offseason. So to see it come to fruition and actually see it be worse than what we thought, it's just very frustrating. As a fan doing this, you know, so often, it just seems frustrating. And it's it's kind of like a consistent theme where they give more opportunities to veterans, play certain veterans more than perhaps a lot of fans want to see in Ultimately, most of the time, it comes back to haunt them. And it's done the exact same thing this year. So that's where I'm at. I will yeah. say seeing Kyle coming back soon will be fun. Uh, Nico back is awesome. Dansby continues to look good with his plate approach defense off the charts. Uh, Steel looking great. So there's a lot to be excited about. And yeah. there is still time that's still there. It's just the time is ticking really, really fast. And they have to start winning games this week. They have yeah. to come out to Wrigley and blow away these teams, Corey, because we could be talking about this in three weeks and time's up. It won't be there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the same spot. I, I think, uh, you know, if we had come into the season and you had told me that they would get this out of Cody Bellinger, out of Ian Happ, out of where Seiya Suzuki is right now. I, I know a lot thrilled. of a lot of people were really weirdly concerned about Seiya, which I always thought was weird. He was coming back from an oblique injury and didn't really have a full spring training after his rookie year in the major leagues. Is that why you're wearing a Seiya uh, shirt? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, you know, but now is sitting there with a 132 WRC plus and a 366 Woba, a 195 ISO. Like That's exactly he, what he looks really to. good. Um, he's got a catch so, also, I will say. Yes. He does need to get better in the field. That is weird. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you, and like you told me, Justin Steele was doing this, Marcus Stroman would come out of the gate pitching like this, Drew Smiley pitching like this. Like I would have been like, they're pretty good, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> When Niren says here, 40 no. and 41 is the goal for now. Yeah, I think that's the goal. I, like In the back of my mind, though, I still wonder if this front office will expend resources on this team, even at 40 and 41. At I hope they do. 41, I think Jed's got yeah. his finger on the trigger, brother. In, in in a good way or a bad way, though, Corey? No, like, in a bad be, way. Yeah, I think so, too. Man. Yeah. Just given how he's operating in the years past, you have to think that. We just have been conditioned to think that way. Maybe, yeah. maybe it wouldn't be how I would operate, but yeah. No, I'm spending a billion dollars. Yeah. All right, we got to go. Uh, we got to let our wonderful producer, Joey, uh, enjoy his Sunday night. But I'll, I'll end with this, right? Like, very frustrating road trip. The team has been bad on the road. Two and seven road trip, uh, six games under. It's obviously been a bad stretch for about a month now. Uh, but you are getting some really good individual performances. And you are, again, literally speaking like no more than five games out of any particular race right with such a long runway in the season any team right can say oh it's a long season sure right but you are getting really good performances out of some guys yeah if you can find a way to win close games this team looks a lot better things look a lot better and hopefully getting back to wrigley field is very nice in chicago today the ivy should be in full bloom Pat Hughes describing a beautiful, you know, 75 degree day on Tuesday at, at Wrigley Field. Hopefully that gets, it'll get me going, Brendan. I don't know if it'll get the team going, but hopefully. Um, <laughs> well, so thank you for joining Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Luke and Cody and Ryan should be back with you on Tuesday for Cubs pre and post. Obviously, you know, shows throughout the week post-game, uh, off-day shows, etc. So be sure to tune in to the CHGO Sports YouTube page. Check out the CHGO Cubs Twitter page uh, for all those you know scheduling needs on a, on a 
you know, particular day if you want to know when the show is going to go live. As always, you can get all of the episodes on your podcast feed, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, we will be there. And yes, uh, this is fine. That's me yeah. right now. Um, I don't know if I said it was fine, but yeah. Anyway, uh, it's fine. <laughs> thank you uh, for tuning in to the CHGO Cubs podcast. Don't forget to use that code CHGO when you download and sign up at DraftKings, America's top rated sports book. Brendan and I will talk to you again next Sunday. And as always, go Cubs.